0: This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show.
1: Ball is Certainly here at Yankee Stadium this week. I was there on Wednesday night covering the Judge Watch. Uh, that was the first game of the uh, attempt for 61 home runs. And the weather was a lot warmer than usual, but just the atmosphere, the obviously crowd bunched in there uh, for the first time all year. For me, it's had the feel. Of an October baseball game. We haven't had a big October baseball game in New York since 2019. Last year, obviously, the Mets missed the playoffs. Yankees didn't show up for the wild card game, or at least Garrett Cole didn't in Fenway Park. 2020, no fans. All the playoff games played... um, at least in the ALDS, ALCS at a neutral site. Yankees were out in San Diego that year, I believe when they lost in five games to Tampa Bay. The last time you had a, you know, crisp October night, big playoff game, playoff atmosphere in the air was 2019 when the Yankees played the Astros in the ALCS. And they lost that series in six games, game six coming in Houston on Jose Altuve's walk-off home run off of oldest Chapman. So it's been a while. Uh, third, uh, Wednesday night when I was at the stadium, Wednesday night certainly had that feel. Uh, I haven't been there since, but every subsequent night has had that same feel as well. So the situation with Judge, he is due up fourth in the bottom of the eighth inning. Yankees lead the Red Sox 7-5, but the first two Red Sox batters got on here in the top of the eighth. So Clark Schmidt, who had a rough game the other night, is on in relief. And, again, Judge due up fourth in the bottom of the eighth inning. So if the Yankees continue to lead and they don't give up the lead, somebody's going to have to get on for Judge to get one more attempt this afternoon at number 61. All right, uh, everything on the table right now. We talked a lot of Giants and Yankees so far. We will certainly get into the Jets. A lot of NBA news, Uh, some good, some clearly not good. Uh, We'll get to all of that and preview NFL Week 3 throughout the course of the show and of course your calls at one 800 let us lead things off this hour with Spike in St. Pete. Spike, it's been a while. How you doing, man?
2: Yeah, it's been a while. I have a lot going on, but uh, always good to hear you. Um it's kind of when I hear you. I know you can relate to that because you told me your son's how old? Eighty 9. 9 years old. Yeah, so he's playing basketball, was playing basketball. I I just think basketball, and I think of you, maybe because I hear you when you do your basketball stuff. Um, Well, I want to get one uh, just a quick basketball remark. I was just walking by. It's pretty warm down here, as you can imagine. The hurricane's coming, whatever it'll be, it'll be. And I I looked at one of my. Prize possessions, one of my boys got me uh, for my 60th birthday, which was 68 years ago, a signed lithograph by every Nick on the 73 uh, championship team. Mm, nice. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's one of 1973. You know how they do that. Uh, it was just a great gift. And I'm looking at him and I'm going. Uh, you know, some of them aren't with us, and but uh, it's been a while. But I'm blessed. I really am. I hope I got a lot of smiles left because I was at both championships, and I feel for you guys. I don't know how old you are. You're probably late thirties, early forties, whatever you are. But uh, it's been a while, and uh, you know, people lose sight of the Knicks in the nineties. You, you'll know better than me because you're a lot sharper at your age. It was 14 or 15 years in a row the Knicks made the playoffs, correct?
1: Uh let's see. 89 through nine, yeah. through 01. So yeah, it's about 12, 13 well, years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and there were. Yeah, I tell Larry artists do this all the time. They were jockeying towards the end of some of those years. Uh, I don't know how, uh, you know, you were younger then, obviously, but they were jockeying not to play the Bulls till the finals. It was fun times, and those teams were great. And, but I want to make a judge comment uh, just to, to share the time. Yeah. I, I saw the Mantles Triple Crown. I was 10 years old and, and I, I'm watching Judge and uh, the two different personalities I don't know how much you know about Mantle you probably read a lot about it the ball came off his bat a party, like, a, like a rocket I'm telling you it had, he had an uppercut swing and uh, he hit the ball on the upper deck so many times I don't remember at the old stadium but you know Judge is uh, very affable he seems I'm sure you've been around him in some capacity at some point and uh for the life of me, I think I know basketball and, ba- and baseball really well. For the life of me, I can't think why anyone pitches to him in the last four weeks. And I'll leave you with this: uh, Media Day. Are you going to be there?
1: I'll be at Brooklyn Nets Media Day on Monday. Not Knicks. They're at the oh, same time.
2: Oh, oh. So listen, just when you go over to Kevin Durant, could you uh, and Kyrie, could you ask him a couple of questions for me that uh, you don't have to figure out where they're going? <laughs> hey. I'll tell you, I, I was really disappointed with the uh, Boston thing, though. And, you know, I can't stand the Celtics, obviously. But uh, this is what you have in life. Things are changing. But uh, I think the Knicks are going to have a good year. I, I, I like what Leon did. He said nothing yesterday. No, But I, I think I wasn't expecting they made. Him to. Yeah, they didn't let Danny Ainge fleece him, and he's the king of fleecing. So uh, enjoy the media day, and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Judges will get the uh, hit by tomorrow.
1: Well, I might get it this afternoon. Spike, uh, stay safe with the weather down there. Thanks for checking in. Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, so NBA training camps begin on Tuesday. And, wow, what a catch by Harrison Bader. A full-on dive uh, straight ahead of him with two runners on and one out. Uh, saved the inning there. Now it's first and second, two men out. Yankees still protecting a 7-5 to five lead. I mean, nobody can be happier about what Harrison Bader has done this week than Brian Cashman. And Jordan Montgomery, in case you stopped keeping track after he went to St. Louis and won his first five starts and was uh reincarnation of a left-handed Bob Gibson, he's come back to earth a little bit. It's still been a win, that trade, for the St. Louis Cardinals. Montgomery's been awesome for them. But this is exactly what Brian Cashman envisioned for Bader. Bader is hes a winning player. And I, I, you know, I'm not one of these people who... You know, thinks that, you know, in the NBA, we have it. It's the heat culture, you know, and if you if you came from the Miami heat, you just you know how to play. You know, you get tired of hearing that after a while in baseball. The St. Louis Cardinals have that reputation. Ah, if you're in St. Louis, you really know how to appreciate the game. If you're a fan, if you're a player, you play the game the right way. I'm of the mind that, you know, well, players on the Cardinals know how to play. They don't all know how to play. And one of the biggest reasons in recent years why it seemed like the Cardinals always made the right play, the extra base, sound defense, one of the reasons was because they had Harrison Bader, not the other way around, and you're seeing that this week. Harrison Bader is the same exact player on the Yankees that he was in St. Louis with the Cardinals. And frankly, the Yankees in recent years have not had enough of those types of players, So Bader could not have asked for a better first week in the Bronx and he just made a huge catch to help get out of a rally and they complete the Yankees do getting out of the rally with an inning ending ground out. So good job by Clark Schmidt. He comes on with runners on first and second nobody out Yankees holding a two run lead. It's seven of five heading to the bottom of the eighth. And you know what that means? That means somebody's got to get on base with Aaron Judge due up fourth for him to get one more at bat here this afternoon in the Bronx. Uh the Giants on Monday, to continue the point I was making before we break, uh broke, excuse me, at the end of last hour. You know, the Giants, even if and I haven't you know, I have some catching up to do as I said at the beginning of the show. So Some thoughts from the last couple of weeks. Going back to week one in Tennessee. Loved everything about the Day Bowl thing. And I know this has been said, but my in-the-moment feelings were, look, even if they didn't convert the two-point conversion, that was going to go down. That entire day, that entire experience was going to go down as a win for the Giants for, for a number of reasons. Battling back. Even when they were down thirteen to nothing in this game, and I made this point to Jordan as he was singing the praises of Wink Martindale and the Giants defense, which has been short-handed through two games. The Giants defense was outstanding in that game. It was 13 to nothing. The Giants offense did absolutely nothing in the first half. It looked like they couldn't protect Jones again. Uh, Barkley hadn't gotten on track yet. The receivers weren't getting open, and the offense seemed like it was standing in place at best, if not moving backwards. And they kept handing the Titans great field position after great field position, and the defense kept holding them to either punts or uh, field goals and keeping them in that game. And the fact that they were down 13 to nothing in the second half when the offense got their legs under them. You hit them with a couple of big plays. The defense was outstanding, and then they shut them down down the stretch. Except, um, obviously, the, um, the, the the opportunity that Tennessee had to get into field goal range for the potential game winning field goal, which the Giants were very fortunate that they missed that. But Dable, just the way he handled the whole situation, and even if the Giants don't convert that two point conversion and it goes down as a as a twenty to nineteen loss you walked you would have walked away just feeling just feeling so much better about the prospect of your team just the fact that they were competitive you know but the, things in the NFL change quickly and this is where I was talking about the expectations earlier the expectations in two short weeks have changed all right week 1 you just want them to be competitive against a team that last year was the number 1 seed in the AFC they did that and on top of that they won the game a bonus all right week two you want them to win a game against a team that you could beat not should beat, all right as I was looking at that Carolina game last week that was certainly a game that I thought before the season and that I thought between weeks one and two that the Giants could clearly win that game and there's still plenty of games in the NFL That I would look at, and I wouldn't think the Giants could win that game. If they go to Buffalo next week, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, the Giants could win that game. No, they're not going to win that game. But against Carolina, they had a chance to win that game, and that's exactly what they did. Now, fast forward to week three, and you have this Dallas team on Monday night football that's not that good to begin with. They were awful in week one with their starting quarterback. Their offensive line is banged up. Now they have their backup quarterback. And I know they won last week against the Bengals team that really struggles against the pass rush. And that's the only avenue for Dallas to win this game is if their pass rush is so unbearable that the Giants offense can't do anything and that they're able to keep Dallas in this game. Outside of that, the Giants should win this game. And this is the first time in a long time that you've really felt that way about a Giants team and then you know we can look forward from there but it's really it's really shaping up and when you when you just take things in in little bit of chunks and just you know let's be more competitive in week 1 well they were let's win a close game in week 2 well they did that down the stretch and here we go week 3 expectations team that you should beat in your own division cuz if you regress this week it's going to be disappointing you know If you were playing Green Bay, if you were playing Kansas City, if you were playing Buffalo, and you regressed this week, okay, tough team, it happens. But no, this is a game that you should win. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Some thoughts on the Jets, and we'll see if Judge gets one more at bat this afternoon as we continue. And, of course, we'll continue with your calls at 1-800-919-3776. It's Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. All
1: right, you're a Yankee fan. You probably paid three, four times above market value to get into that building today. Judge has still not hit a home run, and the Yankees are leading 7-5 to five in the top of the ninth inning against the Red Sox. Judge is due to lead off the bottom of the ninth inning. So if you're a diehard Yankees fan and you are in that building, are you rooting for Scott Efros, who's now pitching, and the Yankees to blow this two-run lead so Judge gets one more at bat while you're there? I think selfishly, yes. You are? My I, goodness.
0: Selfishly, if I am a Yankees fan, yes. I mean, granted, in the, long, in, in the long-scheming of things, it's not going to mess up anything, I guess, in the stand-ins-wise. Like, you know, Boston is not going to come back. I, at least I don't see any, them doing anything. Um, but— Just for me and just being an avid sports fan, I would have loved to see Aaron Judge at least get a home run here on yes at
1: home against the rival Red Sox. You know, I I agree with that. And, And for me, the standings come into play here. Now, you look at the standings. The Yankees are 92 and 58. After today, they have 11 games left. Right now, and good start if you're rooting for what Jacob and I are rooting for as uh, Devers singles to lead off the top of the ninth inning, so the tying runs up. So right now, the Yankees are eight and a half games ahead of the Rays. They're eight and a half games ahead of the Blue Jays. Both of them are nine games back in the loss column. And this after this, 11 games to go. So you have a very comfortable lead in the American League East. After it looked a little tenuous two weeks ago, but now – It's looking – it's not a certainty, but it's looking very good that you're going to win the American League East. So in light of that, losing or potentially losing a game this afternoon against the Red Sox to give Judge one more chance to come up isn't the worst thing in the world. Because let's be honest, the ticket prices that I, I mentioned are part of this, and people are paying two, three, four times above market value to get into that game, and Efros hits Bogart. So the Red Sox, just like that, have two on and nobody out. Um, From my perspective, you know, sitting here behind the microphone, not having paid any money to get into Yankee Stadium today, but having another two and a half hours of this talk show, I would love for Boston to tie the game and have Judge get one more chance in an at-bat in the bottom of the ninth inning. So we'll see that. The interesting thing would be, all right, let's say the Yankees were in the position of the Mets, all right? You're two and a half games in front with 12 games to go in the season, you're up by two games in the loss column. Would you root to throw away a certain victory for the chance to for Judge to come up in the bottom of the ninth inning? That's the situation Yankee fans are in right now. But I guarantee you that the vast, vast majority of people in that building are rooting for Boston to score two runs this inning. Not three runs, not three runs, two runs. Tie it up, Judge comes up, leading off the bottom of the ninth inning with a chance to win the game. Cause right now that's his only chance of getting another at bat. The Yankees have a two run lead. It's the top of the ninth inning, but there's two runners on and nobody out. Uh, Pat O'Keefe with you, 98, seven ESPN, New York. Uh, the Mets are in Oakland this afternoon and the Mets put three on the board in the top of the first inning with Jacob Degrom on the mound. So, Uh, That's more runs than in recent years Jacob DeGrom has received in about a month. Pete Alonzo, a two-run home run after Francisco Lindor hit a sacrifice fly to left field. So the Mets' two biggest run producers this season are getting it done already. For Francisco Lindor, that should be RBI number 100, I believe. And for Alonzo, RBI's numbers 122 and 123 to go with 38 home runs. Those two guys have done a phenomenal job of carrying the Mets offense all season long. The, the one thing I haven't wavered on all year is that the Mets are the team to beat in the National League and maybe even Major League Baseball. And I'm including the Los Angeles Dodgers in there. You know, the Dodgers, they make it look so easy from time to time. You know, the Yankees were... I'm not guilty is not the right word, but the Yankees in recent years fell into the category and and they still do to a certain extent until they prove us otherwise. But the Yankees in recent years are in the category of built to win over the course of 162 games and the Yankees do that every single year. I was thinking about this the other day and we had Spike call and ask me about this with the Knicks um, a little while ago. And he was right. The Knicks actually went every year to the playoffs from 1988 through 2001. The Yankees went to the playoffs in 1995. They were the American League wildcard. They lost that memorable series to the Seattle Mariners when Buck Showalter was managing the Yankees. So since 95, and here we are in 2022, so that's 27 years, I believe the Yankees have missed the playoffs four times since then. You know, the Yankees play 162 games. They get to the playoffs uh, at the beginning of that stretch when Joe Torre was managing and you had Jeter and O'Neal and Bernie and, you know, uh, Pettit uh, and the the outstanding pitching and, and Mariano Rivera, of course, the Yankees had a lot of success in the postseason. And then in the last 10 to 15 years, that has certainly not been the case outside of 2009. So the Yankees are a team that's built for the long haul of the 162-game regular season. There's something to be said for that, but those aren't the teams that are remembered. And as I look at the Mets right now, and the Mets have had a terrific, what will be 162-game regular season, the Mets are a team that is built for the playoffs. With the three most important spots for a short playoff series, the Mets have as good a player in those spots as you could possibly want. Number one starter, number two starter, and closer. The Mets are better than anybody in those three areas. That's why they are so well set up to have a lot of success in October. The Yankees are not that kind of team right now. The Dodgers are not that kind of team. The Dodgers don't lose. You know what the Dodgers are great at? The Dodgers play a team they're supposed to beat, and they beat them. They do it every single day. Every day, every night, the Dodgers play the Diamondbacks or the Rockies or the Pirates or the Reds or the Cubs or the Nationals or the Marlins, and they beat those teams. They jump on them early. They demoralize them. They run away from them and hide, and they win those games night after night after night. And they're 104-47 and right now. And the Dodgers have won the National League West outside of last year. They've won the National League West every year for a decade. But they've only won one World Series. Why? Because they're a team that is not ultimately set up better than everyone else to have success in October. The Mets are that team this year. And you look at the Dodgers without Walker Bueller and now Craig Kimbrell, has been taken out of the closers role. So those are, if I said that first starter, second starter, closer are the three most important positions. The Dodgers are down two of those three spots right now for the playoffs. They lost arguably their best starter. They don't have a closer right now. And then you look at the Mets and yeah. So what's the difference between the Dodgers? You will ask why did the Dodgers have 104 wins and the Mets have 96 wins? Because, The Mets stubbed their toe against Pittsburgh and Chicago and Washington and occasionally Miami. The Dodgers never stubbed their toe against those types of teams. But when all of these teams get to the postseason, and the Mets and the Dodgers, as long as the Mets win the division, won't face each other until the NLCS. But when you get to the postseason, the Pirates aren't there. The Cubs, the Nationals, the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, those teams aren't there in October. So when you've got to play a high-level team each and every night and hit against the best pitching and your pitchers have to deal with the best hitting, it's a different ballgame. It's it's a different structure than what it takes to win 162 games or play over a 162-game stretch. And the Yankees are a 162-game type of team, and so are the Dodgers. The Mets are not. The Houston Astros are not. And that's why the Astros are in the ALCS or the World Series or winning the World Series seemingly every year. All right, here's a spot for the Yankees. All eyes are on Judge, but there's two runners on and two outs in the top of the ninth inning. Uh, Scott Efros, one pitch away from winning this game for the Yankees, But on the other hand, the Red Sox are a base hit away from tying the game at seven. High drama in the Bronx with Aaron Judge due to lead off the bottom of the ninth inning. All right, we'll break. Um, We'll get into the football. We'll go around the league for week three and take a look at some of those matchups. Uh, Your thoughts on that if you want to weigh in at 1-800-919-3776. Uh, We'll see if Judge gets another crack at this thing. A lot of basketball to discuss. The Ime Udoka story in Boston is an ugly one. Um, The Knicks and the Nets begin training camp on Tuesday. Both of them, the preseason, really not that far away. And anything else on your mind here on 98.7 ESPN New York?
0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: I turned up the sound on the TV during the commercial here because I wanted to hear how fans were reacting. Boston had the bases loaded and two outs in the top of the ninth inning, down by two. So, obviously, the only chance Judge had of getting another at-bat, and Judge was due to lead off the bottom of the ninth inning, the only chance would have been for Boston to at least tie the game. But it sounded like the fans were happy with the Yankees win, which is interesting. I, I personally, I wouldn't be outwardly rooting against the Yankees. But if I were in that building and wanted to see history, I don't know that I would be so overt with my celebration for a Yankees victory that in that moment would have prevented judge from getting one more at bat. But the Yankee fans, uh, nonetheless pleased with another seven to five win. Look, the Yankees. And I said this at the beginning of the show, what's somewhat overshadowed during this whole week of Aaron judge's pursuit of 61 home runs is the fact that the Yankees have really started to find themselves. Um, the pitching has been pretty good all year. And even today, Domingo Herman started off slow, gave a back-to-back home runs, I think, in the second inning. Yanks fell behind 3-1. to one. Yankees continue to battle back. What the Yankees are doing right now, and again, it's not the number one storyline because Judge is the number one storyline. But what the Yankees are doing right now is very similar to what they were doing earlier in the season when they were on an historic win pace in the months of April, May, and into June. They're winning in a very similar fashion. Now, the one big difference between the Yankees right now and the Yankees early on in the season is the bullpen. The bullpen early in the season was lights out. The starting pitching was locked down. The lineup was timely, and it is right now with the guys they have playing. The bullpen in the beginning of the season for the Yankees was lights out. The bullpen right now for the Yankees is anything but lights out. In fact, the Yankees um, Yankees do not have a closer right now. Aaron Boone has said that he's going to take it by committee, take it day by day, situationally, as far as who's going to close games. And look what just happened there. Scott Efros, who hasn't pitched in a month, the Yankees, one of their trade deadline acquisitions, who's supposed to add depth to the bullpen, was okay. Pretty good, actually before he got injured. He's been gone for a month. He's back, and he's in that spot in the bottom of the ninth inning to try to close out the game. Excuse me, top of the ninth inning, which he does. So he gets the save. The Yankees win seven to five. They've won six games in a row. Uh, The other night, they did clinch their spot in the playoffs, but their spot to, or their magic number to clinch the American League East is three over Toronto and two over Tampa Bay. So, by the end of this weekend, the Yankees could have the American League East completely wrapped up. And that means a first round bye because the winner of the AL Central, which appears to be the Cleveland Guardians, they're not running the Yankees down from behind. So that was the goal. I mean, the goal earlier in the season when the Yankees had that huge lead was to, you know, not only get that first round bye but have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. That's not likely to happen with Houston out in front. And if the Yankees were to meet the Astros in the ALCS, it looks like Houston for the third, for what would be the third time since 2017 would have home field advantage, um, in an ALCS, but show me a Yankee fan who wouldn't sign for that right now. So the Yankees win seven to five, um, and the Mets scored three mm-hmm. in the first inning in Oakland, two of them coming off the bat of Pete Alonzo, his 30, I think 38th home run of the season. Um, Well, the A's bounce back with four runs in the uh, bottom of the first inning off of Jacob DeGrom. So a little bit of a concern there as DeGrom, not his usual dominant self here in the first inning. Uh, The Mets handed him a three nothing lead and they now trail four to three. And looks like it could be a wild afternoon in Oakland between the Mets and the A's. Alonzo's home run was his 38th. And he now has 123 runs batted in Francisco Lindor with 100 RBIs from the shortstop position for the Mets. He got one in on a sacrifice fly in the top of the first inning. So the Yanks win. Mets losing 4-3 to in the first very early in that game in Oakland. NFL Week 3. Uh, started on Thursday night. Browns, Browns should be three and zero right now. They got to be kicking themselves. You know, by this point through two weeks, and you're not going to, um, you know, make any declarative statements across the board. You could make a few. You know, one thing that I'm comfortable saying right now is that Pittsburgh is not a very good team. The Steelers are one and two. Um, they were. Somewhat fortunate to win their first game against the Bengals. uh, Blocked extra point that would have won the game for Cincinnati if it wasn't for that. And then Pittsburgh winning that game in overtime. Pittsburgh would start the season 0-3. At some point, they're going to have to go to Kenny Pickett, their first-round pick at quarterback. Mitch Trubisky is not the answer. You know, I always thought Trubisky was a little bit better than he was given credit for being when he was in Chicago. He did get them to the playoffs that one year. Uh, the first year under Matt Nagy as head coach when they lost the playoff game to Philadelphia on the double doink. He had a good year that season. He's a similar guy to Daniel Jones, can make a lot of plays with his legs. He makes the big mistake. I think Jones is a better player than Mitch Trubisky, though, and that's showing right now because Trubisky doesn't seem to be the answer in Pittsburgh. They've got a quarterback who went to the University of Pittsburgh, Heisman Trophy finalist, and Kenny Pickett, who they just drafted in the first round. So you wonder when Mike Tomlin – maybe this is the time. You know, these – Changes usually happen when you have a little bit of extra time. Since Pittsburgh played on Thursday, they basically have a week and a half before their next game. So maybe for week four, we see Kenny Pickett take over as the starting quarterback for the Steelers. The Browns got to be kicking themselves. I mean, think about Cleveland, and and they're good across the board uh, except at quarterback. Jacoby Brissett, who's okay. He was bad last year. Through the course of his career, I've always felt on the right team a strong enough team he can be good enough to win and he's proving that right now Cleveland's two and one they should be three and zero, except for the Jets miracle comeback last season that's the only thing preventing and you got to count down to when Deshaun Watson comes back and you don't know what Deshaun Watson's gonna be that's the other thing you got to realize Watson hasn't played by the time he comes back it'll be nearly two full years since he played an NFL game but if he's remotely close to the guy he was before his long layoff, Cleveland could be a really interesting team if Brissett and the rest of that team can allow them to hang around. And right now at 2-1, and one, they're in pretty good position. The Jets, they got that win. Even if they don't win the game, you're seeing some good signs from the Jets in the first couple of weeks. You're starting to see that some of these draft picks that have been made by Joe Douglas, especially at the skill position, at the skill positions, you know, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, um, these guys have a lot, a lot of upside. Like, and I said this in the in in the off season or in, in training camp, I could see now if he had a different quarterback, a veteran quarterback who can you know sling the ball all over the field, the Jets don't have that. Oh, actually, I guess they do have that right now with Joe Flacco. But at the time I was thinking it would be Zach Wilson, but I could see Garrett Wilson by the end of this season. It's tough to compare anybody to Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase. And what they did as rookie wide receivers, the last two years, Jefferson in Minnesota last year, chase in Cincinnati. But I could see Garrett Wilson in short order being close to their level. I think he's got that kind of talent and you started to see glimpses of that last week. Now, the Jets host the Bengals this week. It's it's not a great spot for the Jets. Cincinnati's 0-2. They could be 2-0. They, we mentioned the Pittsburgh game where they had the extra point blocked that would have won the game in regulation before they lost in overtime. Last week in Dallas, they just could not protect Joe Burrow. Burrow seems to be affected by the shoddy offensive line play for the Bengals, rushing some throws, not as accurate as he usually is. Can the jets get enough pressure on Joe Burrow to make life uncomfortable for him? Remember the jets beat the Bengals last year with Mike White as their quarterback. It was their biggest game and best moment of the season. Can they do it two years in a row? It's hard to believe for me, mainly because it's hard to believe that Cincinnati after going to the Super Bowl, It's very hard to believe that the Bengals are going to start this season 0-3. But the Jets and Bengals, 1 o'clock on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. We'll have more thoughts on that as we continue. Uh, 1-800-919-3776. Yankees beat the Red Sox 7-5. Mets, a tough first inning against the a's trailing oakland four to three with jacob Degrom on the mound allowing four runs in the first inning let's go to the phones and uh anthony driving around in the mail truck this afternoon anthony how you doing
3: Hi, what's going on brother how are you i'm good how are you good man so um first of all i haven't uh spoken to you on the uh airwaves at all so uh, i just wanted to let you know that you are great and uh just keep doing your thing man you know hearing you uh fill in here and there, doing your own thing, you know, you do a great job and you have good analysis. So I appreciate that. Thanks. Um, Also, no problem. So my question to you is, um, I have a, I have a hardcore hypothetically uh, hypothetical situation. Now Yankees lose judge. Okay. in free agency. And and he goes to the second worst team that he can go to. And that would be the meth in my opinion. Um, That being said, that happens. Would you could you see the Yankees making a an offer to Degrom um, upwards of let's say four years, one eighty or two hundred? Could could you could you ever see that happening? Thanks for taking my call, Pat. I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Wait, Anthony, time, what's bro. the
1: worst team that Judge could yeah, go to? It. The Red Sox.
3: Yeah, of course. Okay, I, so- I, I can't I can't see Judge in, <laughs> in any other uniform. Um, I mean, I could I could see him, you know, I, I could understand him going to the Giants. Obviously, what I wanted to happen, no. Could I see it happening? Yes, but that to me, honestly, I don't see the Angels making a push for him. You know, they they have you know money over there. I don't see the Dodgers doing it because they have you know bets, but they could you know potentially move Judge and just make him a center fielder. But I, I just I don't see that happening either. You know, what, what are your what are your thoughts on that, Pat?
1: Well, thanks for the call, Anthony, uh, and the kind words. Uh, There's a couple of teams. I think the two teams that you think would be the worst teams for Aaron Judge to go to are two of the most possible teams to acquire him, and that would be the Mets, and I think the Mets are always a threat now with Steve Cohen, and I think the Red Sox are a serious threat. I agree with the caller on the Angels. I think after having Trout... And Otani, and don't forget, they're paying Anthony Rendon a ton of money, and they've got nothing for that, and they can't even sniff the playoffs. They're not going big game hunting. You know, a couple of teams that in recent years, it hasn't made a lot of difference in the standings, although one of them appears to be headed for a wild card spot this year. But two, what I guess you would consider smaller market teams, or certainly non-marquee franchises, that have proven willing to spend money in recent years that you have to keep an eye on I think are the Texas Rangers and the San Diego Padres now with the Padres at some point enough is enough right I mean you got Soto you're assuming you're going to get Tatis Jr. back at some point. Uh, You have Manny Machado. Do you really think you're going to add judge to all that? But they seem impervious to spending a lot of money to put as much talent on the field as possible. And the Texas Rangers sneakily spent a lot of money last offseason. They weren't happy with the results. They fired their manager. Uh, So we'll see if that's a big push they want to make. And then the San Francisco Giants. I mean, the Giants have a lot of aging veterans. They still have some of those guys – that were part of the core of those championship teams when they won three World Series in five years in the first half of last decade. I think they're a threat as well. You know, Boston, uh, San Francisco, the Mets, Texas, San Diego. Those are the teams that jump out at me. The fact is the Yankees are going to have to significantly overpay to keep Aaron Judge. Look, tip your hat to the guy. He bet on himself. He has had one of the greatest seasons in baseball history. And look, there's a lot of baseball to be played. He's got to still try to get this record. Uh, More importantly, the playoffs. And then we'll see, but it's going to be a very, very interesting offseason. More of your calls. We'll continue to look ahead to week three in the NFL. Uh, We'll touch on some NBA stuff as well here on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: The other question he asked: Could I see the Yankees offering Degrom and, and Dave Rothenberg's promo? Just reminded me of that. Could the Yankees? Could I see the Yankees offering Degrom like a four-year, hundred eighty million dollar contract? I cannot. You know, I don't. I don't think that the Yankees um, are in the market to invest that kind of money in their starting rotation. Uh, For a guy who's not a sure thing when given his injury history. And the Yankees, look, the Yankees haven't been able to figure out this pitching thing. You know? And By the way, I think four for 180, I think DeGrom's looking for more total money and more years than that. Anyway, so I don't even think that gets it done. I can't see the Yankees being a significant player for that. All the teams that I mentioned as potential suitors for Judge, I would mention all of them as potential suitors for DeGrom. And they have to add the Atlanta Braves because that's the team to which he has most closely been linked um, for his entire dalliance with free agency after this season. All right, 1-800-919-3776. The Yankees have won six in a row after they beat the Red Sox today 7-5 to at the stadium. Judge still sitting on number 60. If he's going to do it at the stadium, at least tie the record or perhaps break it also. It's likely going to have to come tomorrow because the Yankees play on Sunday night baseball against the Red Sox, and then they head back out on the road to Toronto. Let's go to the phones and check in with Roger in the car. Roger, how you doing?
0: Yeah, hi. How you doing? I love good the thing. show. Thank you. Okay. Um, I wanted to say like I think a team like like, that the Yankees uh, specifically would have to look out for because, uh, you know, what you were previously just talking about were, like, teams that, you know, like, in contention and everything. And I think that a force to be reckoned with would be, like, the Seattle Mariners, all because, like, what they're building there and it seems like they have like a four to five year window that they can compete that they can compete in everything. And I mean, you know, they just signed Castillo to that big mega hundred and eight million dollar extension. You know, their thing is it's just, you know, they don't really hit, you know, um, you know, consistently. But, you know, baseball, you know, like they say, is all about timely hitting. So if they get hot at a certain time, that really could be a team that the Yankees really should have to look out for. That you know um, can give them problems in the postseason because I mean you know the, the Mariners is what Seattle has right now to root for. They you know traded away Russell Wilson and you know they don't. The Sonics are gone and so I mean the Kraken is a new hockey team. So the the the, the, the one thing that they have right now to root for is this young Mariners squad and then just signing Castillo to that extension. That 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 really makes them very dangerous. I thank you for the call. You know, appreciate
1: you. Thanks, want Roger. Get your opinion on it. I agree. That's a good team, and I would add that to my list: the Seattle Mariners. A lot of money in Seattle, obviously a lot of tech money. It's one of the wealthiest uh, markets and cities in the United States. Uh, they the Castillo contract was announced today, and that's what you want from a team like Seattle when you give up so many assets at the trade deadline to bring in a frontline starter, which the Mariners did. They outbid the Yankees, at least in the minds of the Cincinnati Reds. They gave up a lot for him. You want to turn that person into somebody who's going to be on your team for a long time. They've done that. Julio Rodriguez, the uh, rookie and one of the best young players in Major League Baseball. He has signed uh, into his 30s, potentially. He signed a long-term contract, one of those deals where they signed him before he was arbitration eligible He's got a contract that could be worth up to $469 million. So, after his when he's 24 years old, Rodriguez is going to be making $18 million a year. And he's locked in if he wants to be for the future. And if he doesn't want to be, that means he's probably outplayed his contract and he would have an opt out. So, the Mariners are a team I would add to that list with the likes of Texas and uh, San Diego. Uh, Boston uh, and the Mets and the San Francisco Giants. But we'll see. I mean, look, it's it's going to be an interesting offseason for Aaron Judge. The, the question has to be asked. It's been discussed all season long on this station and in other places. What will Aaron Judge do after the season? Can you envision a scenario in which he's not a Yankee next year? I can. I got to be honest. I can. If he's going to be back look, the Yankees played a hand, judge played a hand opening day the news was announced that they could not come to a agreement on a contract if he's going to be back in pinstripes the yankees are going to have to almost double what they offered him that's the facts he has had one of the greatest offensive seasons of all time this
0: this is the pat o'keefe show